Ask Jenny if she's rare. Are you rare? What is uh, what does it even mean? I can't wait. To <laughs> I don't even know actually. I think don't ask me that. Don't ask me that on the video because I will not know how to answer that. <laughs> Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hello and welcome to our end of year, uh, end of 2020 flopography episode. Uh, Mike and Steve here. Today we're going to uh, review two albums. Each of us have chosen an album, um, which we consider, uh, I guess, at surface surface um, level, a flop of mm-hmm. the previous year. Uh, Mike, we haven't talked in a few months. Uh, how have you been over the course of the past few months? <laughs> Any new music that you've enjoyed? How have your holidays been? What's your favorite gift you've received? Oh, okay. Well, that's a lot to digest. All right. Uh, I've been good. I've been staying home and saving lives at the same time um, and, you know, doing my thing, you know, uh, trying what I think is going through our last months of quarantine and the pandemic. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, um, with all the vaccination advancements that have been there so far, but I've been great. Um, the music world has been dominated by the one and only Taylor Swift. Since the last time we've done an episode, and um, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever review her because they were not flops by any definition. Um, because I have her album right here. Ah, ha, ha. No I'm kidding. So yeah, same here. We've been, um, you know, trying to trying to be as respectful as possible. We were supposed to go to Florida for um, for the holiday, but we decided to stay back. We sent out our uh, our Christmas card, which, as you can see, I is like a quarantine Christmas. The front and center is Jenny doing a puzzle. And it has actually a photo of our first podcast, Mike, up in the top, oh. of, uh, top I guess it is for, for you guys, the top left corner. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the past few months have been Taylor Swift, Folklore, Evermore. Um, but we were just talking, I was talking to Jenny actually before the call about like our favorite albums of the year. Um, after hours by the weekend that, you know, recently got snubbed at the Grammys, uh, a lot of discussion around that, but, a, a, an amazing album save, uh, save your tears is like one of my favorite songs of the year. Um, another album fine line by Harry Styles came out last December, but that's made huge impact this year. Um, you've mentioned off the cuff future nostalgia. Um, yeah. but I, I have to say that, you know, chromatica to me is a better album than future nostalgia, uh, by Lady Gaga. Uh, but we're both fans of her. So I can't, uh, I can't necessarily say I'm not a little bit biased. Um, and Jenny, Jenny asked, where's the shout out to machine gun Kelly tickets to my downfall. Did he have an album come out? Today we've both brought albums to to the forefront that we want to talk about, um, and you know, Mike, we always dress apart. I have uh, worn uh, New York Times clothes since I work for the New York Times, but also uh, because both of these artists that we talked about have made uh, headlines throughout their careers. Uh, so, so that's my reasoning. Any special reasoning for that blue camo you've got on right now? Not at all. The only special reason was that I bought it a month and a half ago, and I literally have never worn it out at all because <laughs> I don't go out. So I was like, well, let me go in my closet because I don't have a, uh artist T-shirt from any of the artists profiled in episode eight. 
episode eight, our 2020 flops. And today um, we're going to review two albums. My choice is uh, an artist that I've been dying to talk about, uh, Takashi69 and his album Tattletales. I selected, um, after all the albums, I say that very sarcastically, that came out this year, Rare by Selena Gomez, the deluxe edition, though. It feels like you don't care. Why don't you recognize I'm so rare? First, we're going to talk about Takashi. Um, six nine and his album Tattletales. I think it's important to know kind of the context of where Takashi was um, before releasing this album. So um, six nine was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, he's Mexican and Puerto Rican descent. Takashi has his signature rainbow-colored hair, um, and he released uh, Gummo, which rose to number 12 on the Billboard charts. Most recently, uh, to kind of precede the Tattletales album, he was arrested on federal charges of racketeering and firearms related to organized gang activity as part of the Nine Trey Gangsta Bloods. Um, and it was revealed that 6ix9ine um, had a plea deal with prosecutors involving like the disclosure of information regarding multiple violent people associated with the same criminal enterprise. So he basically outed a bunch of people from the Trey Gangsta Bloods um, when he faced 47 years in life in prison. Um, and he ended up like only serving a minimal amount of that and was released. And so this was like his comeback album after being in jail. Just want to see my daughter. It sold 53,000 its first week. The album singles, he had three singles. Um, and I'm curious, Mike, if you had heard any of these before reviewing this album. Um, of course, I've heard one of them, Trolls. Trolls. Everyone, everyone has seen that visual. So Gooba was his first release at number three. Are you dumb? Trolls was number one, his first number one single, and Nicki Minaj's second number one single. So she hit number one with a remix with Doja Cat on Say So earlier this year. Uh, by and like then, a week or two, right? That was not that yeah. far apart from each other. Right. And then just a couple weeks later, she hit number one with uh, Trolls with Takashi 6 9 And they do have another feature that she was featured on called Fifi earlier on in his career. Mm. But get this, it's the shortest chart run ever for a number one single because Takashi's basically banned from radio, from Spotify playlisting, anything like that. So they relied heavily on like sales and YouTube streaming, which is his, um, interesting, his, uh, his go-to. And Yaya was uh, number 99 for one week. Like I said, Takashi like, is, is 
reliant on YouTube. These numbers are crazy. Gooba was released while he was on house arrest. It has 640 million YouTube views. The album Longevity, so Takashi launched at number four on the Billboard 200, staying for only three weeks. And Metacritic, which I normally pull for Elma ratings, he was only rated by one credible place, and that was NME, and he got two stars out of five. Mike, describe your initial reaction to Tattletales in one word. Disgustingly surprising. That might be a good way to phrase that. That's the first two words that came to my mind because of knowing very little about the artist, but knowing the stigma that has come along with him, there was a sense of creepiness going into listening to his music, um, just as, and some people may hate us for saying this, but as I have with Michael Jackson's music these days. And, um, but going into it though, Michael Jackson, you can't deny he has good music, right? As an artist. And I have to say, I was bopping my head pretty, pretty heavily to this album as I was going on my my daily walk. Maybe it was the endorphins that came along with the walk, but I was like, okay, like there's really good beats in here. And I think I did, honestly didn't until you said this, this episode, I didn't know he had some Latino culture in him. And that's that was those were the beats that really started to come through that I felt and really kind of put a pep in my steps, so to speak. I found the album bizarre at first. Um, I think one thing with with Six Nine that I've always really like enjoyed about his his music, and I wouldn't say I listen to his music for any type of like you know real depth or breadth, <laughs> but um, I feel like no song ever sounds the same um, in terms of how he raps. It's very different, um, and he features a lot of like old and popular songs on this album. I mean, he brought back Akon. He references GPL on the album. I think like he, he brings back the familiar a bit in some of his songs, which like inherently have you bopping your head to like locked up was a total smash by Akon. Like you're naturally going to bop your head to that. I think that's why it caught my attention at first, because honestly, I as and I texted Steve. I said, I "Want to verify? Is this the album <laughs> and artist?" And and when I when he verified, I clicked play. And honestly, I was thrown off because I'm like, "Wait a second, Akon." So I looked at my phone on Spotify. I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Hold on." Now it captured my attention because Spotify has that. Not Spotify. Akon has this um, nostalgia that comes along with him that he success. This artist, Tasha Kaji, played on so well was that nostalgia factor. For you, was was there a particular like low moment on the album or low moment in his history that we went through, like his context that you feel um, really, you know, made the era suffer? Well, I mean, you think with any artist that has a very media-heavy covered um, incident, uh, a very tragic one at that, and a court like that he's gone through multiple now, the stigma that comes along with that stinks up the entire era, right? And as you said, he's blacklisted by all of these different streaming platforms now in the public. So that has a huge cloud over this. Um, but I, I will say, like, he's definitely been this underground type of appearance because of his trolls popularity and, and so forth. Um, but 
I would say the fact that he has this entire stigma, that's never going to leave, mind you, because it happened so early on in his career, he's screwed for the rest of his entire career. The low moment to me isn't necessarily – I have kind of two. One is something he he really had no involvement in, and that's the fact that, like, Nicki Minaj, what are you doing agreeing to be on a feature of Takashi uh, at this stage in your career when you know what he's done in his – Did she know before? Yeah. She's been on a feature with him before, but he produced this album after – all of the legality, legality wow. trouble. She's never condoned like his his paddling on yeah. the gang, um, but I think that she's like her her inherently being featured on the album is her condoning his actions, in my opinion. Dollar, dollar bill, come get her. Even your man know Nikki's do it better. I know you don't like me. You wanna fight me? Always on my page. When he came out with Gooba, uh, he actually posted a video on Instagram of uh, basically calling out Billboard and Ariana Grande specifically for manipulating the chart. So basically, so there was a competition at the time when Gooba was coming out with Stuck With You by Ariana Grande and Justin Mm. Bieber. Stuck With You went number one. Gooba went number three. It didn't even go number two. But still... um, 6 9 went on uh, Instagram and posted a video about how Billboard um, and Ariana Grande were basically manipulating the charts. He didn't call out Justin Bieber, too, which is kind of screwed up because it was both of their uh, their song. Don't dick ride, don't blink ride, leave it to the double thick thighs, twin sisters. Drop it down and wobble, wobble up, mommy boot it up, shake it down and gobble, gobble up, cause my money up. What was your favorite song on the album? Um, I, you know, pause on that. He's a streaming artist. That's what he is. Right. And there's a difference between an artist that is like a massive scale that is being played on the radio and, you know, can sell out tours and all that good stuff. I'm sure he could actually, but he's a streaming artist. He's made for the streaming platform. I don't even know if this was made in physical edition. Um, but I will say, I think, um, probably Punani was a really good one. And I feel like when we were video that. I didn't know that, uh, but but that was a, a really good track that caught my attention. Um, and I will say, counter to something you said earlier on, some of the songs did really meld into each other. The album's very consistent. It plays off of um, very hip hop and Latino mixture of beats. And I think it's very consistent throughout. That's not a bad thing, it's a pretty good thing because you know, very rarely, pun intended, do you hear albums that are consistent? Um, and I think that this one did a good job of, of having that. And hold on. The fact that Akon's on the album is like amazing because I miss Akon. Exactly. That's hilarious that you say that. I, I was such an Akon fan back in the day. Yes, I was too, actually. <laughs> um, I'm surprised, but <laughs> so I that actually I chose an Akron song. I thought Leah was really good. Maybe you want it, I want when I pull Patron in your car. The vibe is feeling so warm. I just wanna take you home. What has aged the best in the few months since its release to you? Like as a fine you wine, you mean? Like a fine wine. <laughs> 
and not a, a stale cheese, right? Um, <laughs> we'll get to the stale cheese in a minute, Mike. Okay, what is aged well? I will say to go against all odds and to have a very viral moment like Trolls is probably aged the best from a, from a public relations perspective. You know, I, I kind of look at through the marketing lens of someone. Uh, that's probably aged the best. And I got to say that that's slim pickings of what is aged the best for this entire thing. The thing that aged the best is like Akon. I was like a fan of Akon in college and high school and like locked up as a smash. And so it was like really good to revisit its catchy hooks. Um, yeah. So with that, I want to hear, Mike, what, what didn't age well for you? the entire challenges that he's gone through legally that stigma is there and you will never lose that yeah that's definitely part of it because like honestly that buzz of him, him getting out of jail is what contributed to a lot of the conversation about him this year and mm -hmm. like that like slowly faded or actually like, quickly faded after uh, his first couple releases so yeah, for me, what didn't age well is the celebration of Cruel City number one and the performance mm -hmm. of the album and the song thereafter. Um, Takashi like had this insane video where he was just like screaming and like he popped a bottle of champagne. It was going everywhere. And then Trolls, like I said before, had the biggest drop in Hot 100 history. Um, and the album like commercially underperformed. And you can tell by the fact that he's like kind of gone silent after the album release. Wash. For you, what was your rationale for what went wrong um, and what your 2020 review on whether it's a flop or not is? Well, I'll answer the second part first. It's obviously a flop. I mean... You know, it being one of the biggest drops, 53,000 albums. Now, I do. This these day, this day and age, like, 53 to, like, 100,000 is pretty commonplace. But the fact that he was on the lower end of that with so much tension from trolls is just like, what? So it's a flop, 100%. What went wrong is obviously all of the court drama, right? All of the things that rightfully so, because of his actions, that he, he had this stigma with him. I'm going to call this one not a flop. And let me well, tell you- That's controversial. <laughs> let me tell you why. Uh, because I think one, this to me is going to be the peak in his career. People really want to see a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And Takashi at this point- was a train wreck and there was a level of public interest when he first returned to to from jail and you could tell from like gooba to when he started releasing like yaya and punani like the the, the excitement and the interest faded in the rear view like i would say that the performance commercially was a flop yes um but it will be it'll probably be the peak of his notoriety with yeah. like Trolls going to number one. Um, and, you know, the fact that he had all this buzz around Gooba. Uh, and it's like, I don't think he'll ever reach those levels before. And he hadn't reached those levels prior to this release. So, in my opinion, this is his, like, was his career peak? Probably mm -hmm. more so in the pre release stage than actually when the album was released. Yeah. But because of that, I'm giving him the, that 
um, denotion that this was not a flop in 2020. From his view, yes. I bet that that's a very interesting point that you bring up because I guarantee you, Nicki Minaj is going to think three times before collaborating with him again because of all the shit that she got throughout this entire, you know, past six months. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it's probably his own peak. But from the grand scale of things, it's a flop because no one knows his troll song. Um, you know, the only people that probably There's will find- There's no longevity to it. Exactly, exactly. Um, what I kept thinking about when I first like put on this album, uh, I find you, I like Trolls, the second part, the alternative versions that regular them, that better than the regular version. I like that one better. But I kept thinking about the mom that would go on her Spotify looking for music to entertain her children and puts on Trolls and plays the wrong Trolls instead of the Trolls movie soundtrack, plays a song. I'm like, oh shit, that would be a big, big, big mistake. All right, now we're going to transition to our second album, which was Mike's pick, uh, Selena Gomez uh, with Rare. Wow. Okay, where do we begin? So Selena's last record, um, she calls it Selena Gomez 2 Rare, but actually it's pop 3 because that's her third solo album, but second with Interscope Records. So let's get that straight first. But Selena released Revival in 2015. And in 2020, five years, that's a five-year gap, which is huge in the pop music and landscape. And um, Selena her age. That's exactly that's what I'm saying. It's her prime. We'll get to there. But like Selena Gomez, throughout this five year period, she went on tour, um, ended it early because of her health issues, which later we found out is to be lupus. And, you know, simultaneously throughout all that, she's intertwined with um, Justin Bieber again for a hot second, comes back out of it, then goes back in these landscapes, releases. Um, 13 Reasons Why, which I'm sure Jenny is, like, all about. But, like, all of these things that, you know, she comes back to music and she's like, well, okay, now I have the energy to do this. And that's pretty much kind of the chaos that has followed Selena Gomez up into this record. Selena Gomez's opening week on Billboard was 112000 uh for Rare. And her album singles were... Uh, Lose You to Love Me, which hit number one um, for 23 weeks. We'd always go into it blindly. I needed to lose you to find me. This dancer was killing me softly. I needed to hate you to love me. Yeah. To love, love, yeah. to love, love, yeah. to love. Rare from the album The Single, number 30 for seven weeks. It feels like you don't care. Why don't you recognize I'm so rare? Boyfriend was number 59 for a one week. The album longevity, so Selena hit number one. There are only four, uh, four females that hit number one this year. Uh, this entire year, which is which is crazy, uh, but the number ones were by Selena Gomez, uh, Lady Gaga, uh, Taylor Swift, and um, Ariana Grande with positions. 
for her to hit number one is a pretty impressive note. She spent 26 weeks on the chart, which I would say is probably an underperformance from someone of her caliber. Um, and the critics reaction, this was her highest uh, Metacritic score ever with um, a 76. And tell me a little bit about like your initial reaction. So I'll back this up. I'm a Selena fan. Okay, I I really like Selena Gomez probably since 2011-ish um, from her, like, I think her third record with her band. Um, and I have followed her throughout her career. I'm fully supportive of a Latina and the pop music landscape because it's very far in view of them. And I loved Revival, her 2015 record, which was a bop in all hands. I mean, I think everyone knows a song from that album, right? Because it was so radio dominant as well and taking me into this record i mean i waited five years for this record steve i was like okay selena come on let's go come on come on come with it come with it i'm waiting and she came back in 2019 the, the later part the q4 um with lose your love me which was a big success right so we're not gonna really talk about that because that was a big success i got number one you did miss a single um, Look at Her Now, which was released roughly about a week after, um, was her second record, had a music video too, a bop and it, a half. It, it didn't chart. It, well, because it was dominated by Lose You Love Me. Big, big, big mistake. I'm sorry, Selena. She probably had a, a deal with Apple because she shot both music videos with her iPhone, and that was a promo for Apple. But you did, you shot yourself in the foot. Like You could have came strong with a second single, a month and a half after Lose You Love Me fizzled a little bit and went beyond it. Uh, but I will say, like, I'll, I'll say it now, disappointed by Vieira, just because for wait five years for a massive album from an artist of a scale that has the media attention, I think people put her up because they felt sorry for her in some capacity. People feel bad and it sounds really bad to say, but people feel bad to put down someone that's been through so many health issues and emotional trauma, but they, that bolstered her up to this like scale where the art didn't match the popularity of the artist. I hadn't listened to the full album before this, this epi pre this episode. And I felt that the, like my one word to describe the album would be safe. I felt like it's, it was, it was really cohesive. Uh, yeah. it, I, I thought that it was really, to your point earlier, like consistent. Um, but like Selena didn't necessarily get deep. She didn't get weird. She yeah. didn't get innovative um, with the album to make any like impact. See, it's interesting that you say consistent because I actually felt it was the opposite. Like I felt like there were different vibes going into the record that she tried to meld together, trying to find the same success from Revival into a, you know, 2020 version of that. And she does have the powerhouse team, right? She has a producer. She can honestly call up anyone, but her list of producers isn't really innovative. Like she didn't bring back Max Martin, which is a big mistake from her 2013 record. And I think Selena played it safe. I definitely agree. Safe is the word because she does, she's not really an artist. Like, and I love her, but like, is Selena a Gaga? There's no way in hell she'll ever be a Gaga. She's not 
a creative visionary that is going to say, I want to do this and that. I have this vision in my head, this era. Now, Joanne, <laughs> we're always talking about flop and right? Like, I don't like the era, but I mean, Gaga had a vision, right? It was clear headed. I have this vision. This is what it's going to be. I'm going to cultivate this personality. And she went with it. Selena is just like, does the bare minimum to get her check and to run with it and to go to the next thing. So with that, Mike, what do you feel is the low moment of the rare era? Look at her now, even Lucy to love me. Like almost every single media coverage of that was like, Selena confronts Justin relationship again. It's like, oh my gosh, like, like she's made this her career. And that is the sad part, you know, is that her art has become synonymous with Justin Bieber. And that's a huge disservice to her. And, you know, I, I will say she's not the best vocalist, but she can do some vocals when she really wants to. But like, that's the lowest point is that she continues to drag this thing in the mud and really prolong it. And Selena, move on. Like, where can you stand on your own two feet without Justin Bieber's stigma and the impact on you as an artist? I felt that there were a lot of like great songs on the album that could have been her lead. Um, and I think like, to me, that was a low moment in the fact that like, it was so, it was leaning on his notoriety um, to, to get number one. He promised the world and I fell for it. I put you first and you adored it. Sapphires to my forest. And you let it burn, sing off key in my chorus. Cause it wasn't yours. So I'm curious, I know we, we had a we had to talk about this earlier a little bit through text, but what was your choice for a single that should have been? Oh, I don't remember talking about this actually. Um oh maybe we did. Uh, I was predicting vulnerable because you told me I was I was uh, leaving. Okay, I'll say it because that, that's the only yeah. song I would say if I we did talk about that. But vulnerable is like, and this is also is uh, equivalent to my favorite track from the album. But vulnerable to me is a nice mixture of remnants of what worked well in revival, but also where she could go. She can play off of her lower register vocals, which work really well, but also have this bit pushing the boundary sound vulnerable have this little bit of a tribal sound but also mixtured with a little bit of a dancey vibe and it was just a standout from the record and the one of the like kind of replays in my head when i heard this album was um on a plane to dominican republic before the pandemic hit right before and i'm like all right like i was playing this album over when i heard that song i was like whoa i'm like this is like stop me in my tracks like this was an amazing track that just like hit me. And I think that to me, that was a missed opportunity instead of cutting the arrow early and releasing tracks that sound very similar to each other. My favorite track on the album was a collab. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think I don't. Wait, hold on. It's uh, Saturday Night One with Kid Cudi or Six Black. It was a Kid Cudi. Uh, a Sweeter Place. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. to me was like a standout track. I thought the the chorus was really engaging. Um, and Kid Cudi has made like a huge resurgence this year. Uh, he just released yeah. an album that 
coincided with Taylor's Evermore surprise release. Uh, yeah. It ended up being number two, but it still sold like 150 plus K albums, which is impressive. And it was a follow-up to the Man on the Moon series. What was like uh, something that aged well and what was something that hasn't aged well? Well, Selena's opportunities to grow. I think the, the your call out of the Kid Cudi track is an example of where she can go, right? She could she could play really well from the R&B standpoint. Um, and that is probably aged well because her double downing on some of these layers of different sounds that she has in this record. She has dance, she has R&B, she has traditional pop, she has folky, like ballads, like she needs to double down on one of those, right? So that's what's aged well. And I think the path forward is playing as an R&B artist with um, a little bit more of a distinct personality. A lot of these tracks, if you listen to the, the buzz singles that she released before this, um, that are not on the record, but on the Target edition. Uh, tracks like, uh, what do they call them? Oh my God, Liar and um, Wolves. And the, that there's like slew of three tracks and Fetish. Um, they all sound very similar to this record, but she released them as a primer to this record about a year before. But the fact that like, there's no innovation in this thing, you know, like the fact that everything melds in from revival to these primer tracks to this album, like there's no innovation whatsoever. And it's like, Selena, where is your, where are your two feet? You know, where do you want to go as an artist? And I do think she has potential because one of the only reasons why she was successful in this era and to the, to the numbers that you called out earlier, she has a star power, right? Like the magazines love her, you know, the, the bloggers love her internet loves her. Like you ask anyone on the street, they know Selena Gomez, right? So she has a star power. She just needs to find how to cultivate that moving forward. The the things that aged well was the fact that she had some unexpected collabs specifically with Kit Cudi, like we talked about. I think that was her stepping out of her comfort zone a little bit. I actually saw in an interview that she did um, that she felt like she was very nervous to reach out to Kid Cudi to ask to be a part of uh, a collaborator on the album. To me, like what didn't age well, I really do think the pandemic had a huge effect on this album. And even mm -hmm. release like January, February, March, like there were albums that were that were built before the pandemic that were released during the pandemic. Like I know the Dixie Chicks released an album, like Gaga's Chromatica was produced well, well before the pandemic. But but they had a chance to kind of delay those album releases and figure out a plan. Like yeah. Um, Rare did not. It was released. Um, and there was a lot of impact with Lose You, um, Lose You to Love Me. But um, like they released the deluxe version in April and it literally made no noise. Boyfriend was released 
as like a single as a part of that. Um, and it didn't even make the top 50. So I, I like really think they should have let it breathe a little bit. Let, let COVID kind of run its course. Play its course a little bit and have released something maybe over the summer or like at, give it a little bit of time to re to reignite the era. Yeah, and that that's the key thing here is that you know the deluxe version was released about three four months and it was definitely after the pandemic, and a, a record label will only promote an artist they and a song or album they believe in. They didn't believe in this, and I will say rightfully so. Like if I was an A and R rep and I heard this record, I'd be like, "Cool, this is nice, but like, this is not your best." And I'd probably be like a jackass for saying that, but like, I would be very honest with them. And I think with Selena, she knows she has she has pull, right? She can call Kid Cudi up, and he will say yes. Rare is it a flop or not? And if it is a flop, where did it go wrong? Considering over the last several weeks, a lot of end of your list from um, Billboard and so forth have listed Rare as one of the top albums, it's not a flop. Um, however, I will say from a fan point of view, a fan point of view with a limited music landscape in 2020, very few slim pickings, I do think it's a flop. And I think Selena, um, um, if you... If you or your reps are ever listening to this right now, I'm saying, I love you. You are amazing. You truly are. I know you have more in you. And this is not it. Um, you know, I think this is a good stepping stone between Revival and your next massive album that is, I know is going to come. But, like, I think it's a flop just from the point of view. She's still finding her voice. And when she does find it, she's going to just run right through. I would say that it's not a flop. I, I actually like I will say I, I didn't listen to Revival. Um like I know the singles from from her previous records. Sorry, Mike, I know like Do you know oh, Handsome Myself at least? Yes, yes. Okay, good. I, 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 I will say that I actually enjoyed listening to Rare. I thought that it had like you know, I, I think I think the thing about Selena is like her voice is so like um low register. Low register, right? Yeah. That like there isn't like a lot of inflection and like parts to keep you, keep you on your toes. But I'd say that like, I enjoyed listening to it. It's her most acclaimed album. It generated a number one. I think it might've been her first number one. So with that, I think like we've we've recapped both of those two albums, and it's been quite a show and quite a, quite a year. And I'm so excited that the quarantine has been the birth of this podcast and this friendship yeah, between, uh, over the course of music. So 2021, as we look forward, Mike, anything like you're most excited about musically or or not? Is there something that you're looking forward to? <laughs> so. I don't think I'll visit the club often in 2021, but like I do feel like the latter end of summer and early into the fall and and so forth, I, I feel it in my veins. Like we have normalcy coming around the corner and I'm looking forward to enjoying music by artists 
that make it for the masses. That sounds really bad and commercialized, but like, there's no shame in that game, right? Like, like I guarantee you, Ariana is gonna come out with an album that is like, hey, I wanna make a seven rings that's just gonna get people dancing and having fun. And I'm excited for that. Like, I'm excited for normalcy. I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to. Let's all just like, like let loose again. That that's the big thing. It's like, like I agree with you. I mean, this year has had so many like personal and like worldly trials and errors that have just been it plagued all of us, right? And I think everyone just wants dumb pop. And and pop music gets a bad rep, but I also think the beauty in pop music is that it's just unite it's a uniter i yeah. can't wait i'm so glad we were able to do this special episode this year yes. um, and i look forward to what flopography comes to life as in 2021 um 100%. in the meantime have a safe and happy new year um and and again what, what mike and i would love for you to do is uh, tweet uh post on post on instagram uh, Facebook, we're, we're on all those properties at, at Flopography Podcast. Please let us know your uh, flops of 2020 um, and what what albums you're looking forward to in 2021. Yeah, you can also, uh, if you're watching us, you can go to anchor.fm slash Flopography Podcast to find out how you can listen to us. Um, same thing as vice versa. We are uh, everywhere. And just as a reminder, like comment and subscribe that does help us that helps us a lot um from being visible to other people that may have a similar interest in pop music and the like so uh, we just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today great happy new year everybody yes happy new year and pop the champagne Watch it go. Mm -mm 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 -mm.